Hello everyone and welcome back to Thrive in the New World, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Ulster Bank. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and in this series, we're talking growth and adaptability with resilient business owners from across Northern Ireland. We have a new episode every week, so stay tuned and up to date with the series on your favourite podcast app. So with me today is Jamie McMinnis, Managing Director of Minprint. Jamie, you are very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Lovely to be here today. Right, let me tell people a little bit about Minprint and then we'll get into our discussion. So Minprint was established in 1977. It's a family-run business and one of Northern Ireland's leading design, print and display specialists. From business cards to building wraps and everything in between, Minprint produces innovative, engaging and effective print and promotional materials for its clients throughout the UK and Ireland. And more recently, they have adapted to creatively provide solutions for social distancing and hygiene to support schools and businesses to operate safely. So, Jamie, first of all, how are you? How has everyone adjusted to life over recent weeks and months in the McMinnis household? I'm well, thank you. It's been a strange time for everyone, I think, and really in our homes, no different. Um, we've three young children in the house and uh, recently a dog has come along through lockdown. Um, a lockdown so, pooch, a honestly, lockdown really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and how has so, that gone down? The kids love it, I'm Kids sure. love it. My wife's not just so sure yet, but hopefully <laughs> she's uh, moulding into it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's busy. Yeah, what have you learned about yourself during this time? Because a lot of people have been saying they've discovered new things about themselves. Yeah, I, I suppose just not being scared to uh, think outside the box and, uh, and and keep reinventing. You know, there's a lot of uh, procrastination goes along with things, but sometimes you just got to get on with it. And I think in the COVID side of things, there's been that opportunity to keep developing new ideas and constantly um, it, it, the same approach to prototyping maybe wouldn't be in places what it would have been for a normal product range so uh it's it's nice and uh, exciting if you like to come up with uh new new developing products for the the company to produce and you absolutely have done that i'm going to come to that later in the interview but um anybody listening to this now who's been what who've been watching reports on the news about how schools are going to go back may have seen the fantastic uh, designs that you have come up with to help but you grew up, first of all, in the family business. And as we said at the start, it was established in 1977. Did you always know you were going to end up in the family business? No, uh, it was never really on my agenda at all, so to be honest with you. My dad started a, a lethal printing firm in his garage in, in 1977. So uh, I have grown up literally from before I was born. Um, it's been with me and in my blood the whole time, but uh, having worked pro- summer jobs through the years and uh, been in and out whenever they get busy periods, it's uh, it was never really on my uh, career path uh, uh, that I had had in mind, and I was off doing a, a computing science degree actually whenever um, the opportunity came about because uh, they wanted to sell the business and move away from it, so they were in process of an MBO. Uh, I was in doing a, a tech rollout for uh, Microsoft. Uh, offices it was at the time which didn't they they had one mailbox in the firm whenever it first started so there was one shared email account for uh, everyone and they, we were just in the process of putting an exchange server in and a dedicated mail account for every member of staff and I realized just how much I could uh, deliver on a digital front so uh, really from the change uh, whenever uh, digital started coming into the print world uh, that's whenever I got my teeth into it. So your dad or your parents stepped back 
Yeah, well, they stayed on board for a couple of years. Um, there was uh, uh, three other managers who stepped up into ownership roles um, and I sort of kept a portion for me to the side. Uh, I sort of worked away in the background or my stripes for a while and mm -hmm. um, gradually made my way up through the ranks. So, um, I And that computer science degree has proved invaluable really in taking the company in the in a new direction in the digital age yeah because certainly the theory helps but uh the, the bit that helped me the most was actually being out there practically i did a year out in a uh, an it support firm and that was a bit that oh. you get hands-on with and you understand you you know on the ground well how companies adapt and use digital technology so that was a bit probably that helped me more than anything right um, okay you, you really have to work in a business and, and yeah. see how it operates to to see how you can actually benefit the business you're you're looking to build. So talk me through then when your chapter as managing director began. Well, MD it was a title I was probably always scared of, to be honest with you. That wasn't really something I aspired to be. And uh, it just happened naturally whenever two of the, the, the other directors retired. And I, I suppose I realized that there really wasn't anybody stepping up to be the, the front man, if you like, on the, in the business. So um, I actually enrolled myself in a, a leader program with Invest and I um, did a uh, a course in there they set you up with a series of mentors and um I, I learned a lot from that and that really gave me the confidence to probably put that title on my business card if you like you know uh -huh. it was i was kind of in the role for a while before that but never really putting my stamp on it and really whenever that leader program uh kicked off there was my mentor at the time was a guy called paul rothwell he's uh owner of slide robes in belfast there and he he, he really helped me realize that i needed to be that, that that front face of the company um and so from there we're now in, actually in the process of doing a leadership team program with invest again and it's it's changed massively because of the, the whole covid thing kicked off in the middle of the program so uh, again it's it's all about bringing the team along with you on the journey so and you absolutely have. And just to go back a bit from something you touched on there, um, you know, you were reluctant to put that stamp of managing director. Why was that? Well, I suppose you, you just, human nature, I was always deemed to be, uh, I didn't have the confidence maybe to, because I didn't grow the firm from scratch myself, to basically say that it was mine and uh, everything around it. Probably, if you like, a daddy complex there, maybe where it comes yeah. up and you always think of your dad as being the main man. And so whenever... Um, he stepped back from the business there was nobody really that stepped up to take that control because it was really split uh, and there were four key directors in the in the company so it wasn't until two of them retired that i realized that it was really my natural progression and the, ch the company's changed so much now that it doesn't look anything like the shape it did whenever dad was involved so it really does feel more like my own at this mm -hmm. stage you know so and that is a big issue. And there are so many family businesses in Northern Ireland that, you know, the next generation that steps up and um, there's a, you know, the, the daddy complex or, you know, can I really make it my own? Will be, will he release the reins enough? Was that an issue? Yeah. Well, daddy, do you know what? That, was, that would have been something I could have expected, but, um, you know, honestly, he, my dad stepped out and stepped away. He, he washed his hands of it. He retired and he retired well and left me and the other guys in trust with it. My mum, less so. She has um, stayed on board and very much been in the background and still is to a point. You know, she would be my agony aunt still uh, to this day. I would phone her most days on the way home, chewing things over with her and uh, and just batting things back and forth. So I'm she's, sure she loves it, that. It's nice to have that experience to lean on. But realistically, you know, dad was the innovator in the business. And, uh, you know, I would, whenever I'm talking to him, it's probably more in depth and uh, we, we would get a couple of hours together every now and again just to really chew over strategically where, where you're going but um and the daily grind would be more mum's thing with me 
Well, they say in business, the only constant is change and you really have stamped your mark as MD. How would you describe how much the business and what you now offer has changed? At the start, it was really just sort of two or three people involved in the company. And now we've sort of 54 staff. So by the time mum and dad were retiring, I suppose there's about 35 uh, so it's grown significantly since then as well and we're now split over two sites so the biggest change is the fact you know just as digital print was coming on but then further than that it was the wide format print and that's the sector that really took my eye because I love how people's brands are displayed uh, you know one of the sort of phrases that we've coined is uh, putting your branded brilliance on display mm-hmm. and it's really just how people present themselves show themselves off and um, and, and make a bit of noise about their brands and uh, products so we've um introduced wide format print and display uh, not that has uh, three units up in Prince Regent Road um, just about a couple hundred yards up from where the, the, the Litho printing factory is and in there now we have a, a creative studio as well so Mad Creative was uh, brought about a couple of years ago and um, we've a team of eight in there and a really diverse set of skills from sort of architectural CAD layout drawings and concept conceptual product design right through to um, I suppose advertising and, uh, and marketing so so you're still doing the basic things you could still print if I was starting out a business today you could print my business card for me but you would be encouraging me yeah. to do a whole lot more yeah print your business card wrap your car and uh, yeah put wallpaper on the wall for you so it's a, a big uh, yeah a, a massive opportunity I suppose for for businesses to get everything as a one-stop shop but uh, that's a phrase that most people don't like because it kind of undersells what you do. And where do you think the the business is going what do you see as the big challenges in your in your industry uh, going forward or in fact do you see it all as being an opportunity out there? I suppose right now the the, the COVID-19 hit has the pandemic really um, commercial printing is on its knees that's the bottom line and there's not really any sign of that coming out uh, and thriving uh, this year Um, I was on with BPIF yesterday the British Printing Institute Federation um, and uh, along with a lot of colleagues from other firms around the country and really there's anything from packaging firms who are absolutely thriving supplying you know cardboard boxes for pizza into uh, uh, right down to the, your, your commercial print houses and the commercial print houses are on their knees almost everybody furloughed and most are still shut uh, then you've got the uh, the packaging houses who are, are recruiting staff and uh, I'm bleeding at the bursting at the seams so we're somewhere in the middle where one side of our business is definitely seeing a, a reduced production level so the print the commercial print side from a th- standard sort of three shift 24 7 pattern we're operating an eight hour shift uh, at the minute and bumping that up to a double day whenever we need to but uh on the sign and display side of it uh we've very busy uh, a lot of product development and a lot of new things there so and that's what everybody wants so you've seen i suppose a gap in the market there's a space there and you've absolutely filled it you've you've nailed it really jamie you've come up with innovative solutions to help all kind, everyone really with signage, with, um, you know, be safe, stickers, where to stand, the socially distancing on the floors. And you've also tried to bring a solution to help schools go back safely. So tell us, I know you didn't sleep, you told us that a lot. So you've been thinking a lot during the night about what you could provide. And, and you've definitely come up with some really great ideas and, and solutions. Uh, how did that happen? Well, definitely not uh, taking all the glory for myself there, Sarah. The MAD team have been instrumental in uh, coming up with these concepts. And really, it's, it's come down to two main guys, Ian and Duncan, uh, myself sitting down discussing how uh, our 
children maybe are struggling to understand everything that's going on with it. All three of us have young kids at primary and secondary school, and um, we we really realized quite quickly that you know the messaging is changing and on an almost daily basis it's very hard to keep up to speed on a business level with what the regulations are at any given time but that gets further amplified for children because they really don't understand why one day they can run around and play with their kid, their friends and then and the next they can't so it's just how they can stay safe and aware with through the uh, and we've developed a, a range of uh, characters, heroes, if you like, uh, so the combat kids, uh, as we've coined, and then within that, a range of names for uh, different applications. So you've got uh, super clean hands and uh, safe distance Sid, and these two, uh, there's animated characters around it so that they can uh, be used as posters on the walls at sanitization stations and keeping people aware, floor stickers around the ground, directional traffic through the schools. Uh, and then we've uh, really focused around primary schools for this market uh, because I think secondary schools, you know, they're more young adults and they can be explained and understand themselves. They like to think around it. But the uh, the primary school kids are the main target there. And uh, teachers have been very concerned about how they can get all the kids back in the classroom. So with the one distance or uh, with the one meter uh, distance rule coming into play, we now feel that with the partition screens that we've got, we can get every child back into most classrooms. So, so what uh, have you come up with? You, you've actually come up with um, the safe way to to separate children when they're at their desks in the classroom. Yeah, essentially, so, uh, it really, it's just Corex partitions in between them, but branded in a really friendly way and with uh, visor material that would be used on um, some of the, the the hero shields and things uh, coming in. Uh, as partitions so the, the children can actually see one another see the teacher but yet stay safe and uh, and be within that two meter distance that was advised you know so so suppose you had a ready-made um, focus group amongst your children and maybe others in the mad team what way did the kids respond to what you've come up with yeah no really positively i had to say you know it was uh, nice we actually went out to uh, academy in same field to begin with and sort of prototyped it and test piloted it in there and the uh, education minister came out to see us and uh, along with their headmaster and board so we put the stuff into the classroom and then uh, brought a family in a family of four all four kids at that one school and they came in and first thing the kids didn't you know they're slapping the screens and you know so give them a bit of a road test and that definitely uh gives an insight into what these things could be expecting to have to stand up to yes but um no they went down very well and uh, i suppose it's just it's trying to understand how, where the budgets come from that was the next big thing you know mm-hmm. so from our point of view we've we've given the branding and assets away and people are free to use it um but it's the the actual product still needs to be manufactured so we're hoping uh, that more and more schools will continue to get on with that and there's been a really good uptake to be honest off the back of it so we've we've engaged with uh, schools directly but a lot of them don't know us you know we're not dealing with every school in northern ireland but any stretch of the imagination mint print is a business so it's we don't have the context to get in the door and the uh the, you know the government aren't uh putting a tender out for this that's going to put it into every school so it really is a case-by-case basis and we, so we, we built a wee website to try and help teachers and um parents understand what you know what, what opportunities we would have and call, uh, learn together stay apart.com and so it, it, it's just a wee flip book and products uh, up there on the site to show people what we can do to help them in the classroom and around the school and there's been everything from those partition screens to uh, digital temperature gauges that, that will yeah, scan the kids more about this. so the digital temperature talk us through how that works 
Yeah, well, really, it's a, a, an Android tablet with a thermometer built on top. So as you stand sort of half a meter to a couple of meters away from it, it'll scan you uh, and come up on screen with a green or red light, really, to show you whether you're uh, within the temperature range that's deemed appropriate for, for uh, admittance. So uh, putting that out to the schools to see if they're interested in it, but also commercially, uh, you know, it's it, it, there's, there's been a few sales there for businesses wanting to get their staff back in as well. So mm-hmm. it's certainly not uh, a complete green light that you can tell it that the person doesn't have COVID, but uh, it's the closest we can get without uh, a, a physical test. Well, talk about pivoting. Incredible. And what, what response did you get from the education minister? Well, he wasn't coming in to see us. So I wasn't uh, as glorious as that, but yeah, very positive. He came in, he tested the products. He had a, a chat with the children when they were in the classroom, spoke to the product designer and uh, then just discussed it with um, another newsreader. Uh, and um, we, we, you know, it, it was really interesting just to see how many children could be fitted into the classroom because that was the biggest concern. And the teachers asking, you know, what happens when a child gets hurt? How, what's the protocols and everything around it? So it was nice to get the other side of it. Where I think that can, was a great idea doing that mock up because you can do so much in a virtual world, but really when you're when you're in that classroom and, and, and imagining how it would work, that really brings it to life. And also, I suppose, really brings to life what normal schooling will become. Yeah, well, I, I think so. And I, I, it's... It, it is going to change because to, to get everybody back in the classroom, they're, they're either going to have to do split shifts and bring different kids in at different days at different times of the day or um, put some sort of a partition measure in place. And uh, I, I think the, the realisations hit now and um, I suppose with the, the government's guidance, uh, it, it's changing constantly, but now that we understand that it's going to be reduced to a metre um, and the, the, the children aren't going to have to wear... Uh, safety masks and things in in school with that um that they're going to be given a wee bit more freedom i think the uh the measures that we've uh come up with will be instrumental in getting them back into the classroom again and i suppose as you said there it, it's not just that the that, that the government would put out a tender and you would apply for this tender it's, it's on a school by school or workplace by workplace basis so is that what you're doing now what was the biggest thing because everybody wanted to discuss and survey and, and rightly so you know they want you to consider their needs but we don't Your have business. enough resource to do it mm-hmm. you know so it's, it's you know and unless they're going to pay you for the time it's very difficult to make that commercial so you know building a quick website to let them understand the product range better and do their own research into what they could do so points uh, about how they could uh, survey their own uh, spaces was was key for us you know because we were um finding that it was very resource hungry mm-hmm. and obviously then that reduces the margin too which means that you know it, without it being as commercial we can't bring as many people back to work do you worry about competition oh absolutely i mean within no time at all there was uh, other things popping up online you know whenever we got uh, shown on the the bbc and utv news with the products uh, all of a sudden within a week there was uh, rip-offs there but i mean it's not doing any harm there's plenty to go around and you know ultimately this isn't about a price war uh, and it's not the race to the bottom line and print has become quite uh, price dependent so it's nice to have a range of products that you know you can establish the right price for but after that it's more solution and it's that, that's, that's key to it you know so we can't get them we can't win them all and we don't want to win them all we can't we couldn't physically produce enough for it but yet um you know that's why i said about the branding and assets there because there are that that 
messaging is key you know making the kids have the confidence and understanding of uh, you know what they need to be responsible for whenever they come back and the families and the teachers um and i suppose you know budgets and assistance need to be provided to ensure that schools and workplaces can operate safely whether they go with your product or not what's your biggest takeaway from this entire pivot uh, experience maybe it's still too early to reflect on that but there yeah. must be something in your gut at this stage I think adaptability is probably the, the biggest thing you know thinking outside the box and, and looking after your key staff because we have some great uh, staff on board and the ideas and creative thinking are really what's needed at a time like this so that's been key um, so for me not being scared to reinvent yourselves and push the boundaries um, and you'll always have procrastination and um, doubters involved but really it's it's just pushing it along and uh, and getting the job done. That's great advice as well and I'd like to maybe probe a little deeper on that if there are people listening um, who are, are looking to grow their business but also to employ the right people and those those key staff looking after them is absolutely paramount um, and one piece of advice I got when I was starting out my own business was always work with people who do something better than you do but how do you get those people? Yeah funny that one of the guys that I would look up to most is Steve Jobs and uh, he he was very much of that mindset and I'd be the, try and be the same uh, I certainly don't think I'm I'm more of a jack of all sort of guy but the the, the experts come in um I referred earlier Ian and Duncan David you know we've, we've got a, a series of guys around the team not only that but you know our estimators uh, and, and office manager there Ian and Phil it's amazing how uh, everybody's risen to the challenge and through this time you know you, you the people who have come to us with ideas with support with whatever within the business that have, have they've been the ones who have helped us you know and um i certainly couldn't take all the credit for that by any stretch of the imagination so jamie you're you're coming up with solutions f- for other industries and sectors to continue in the new world but how challenging has it been for you and your business to continue working in the new world yeah, I think that the new norm, as they're calling it, is definitely something that we've had a challenge with. And that, for me, has been the hardest part. Um, we, we are inevitably going to have to restructure the business a wee bit um, to move forward and uh, continue to be successful. Uh, and we've been trying our hardest to look around how we can restructure and reformulate people so that we can move, for example, uh, one of our press minders or uh, a, a printer into a fitting job so that they can be uh, kept on board. Um, and certainly there's some people who have naturally diversified their own skill sets uh, and that's been fantastic. And I suppose being a leader is fantastic when, when the going's good but this will be a real challenge. Do you feel you're supported in, in, in being able to make these decisions? Within the firm there's certainly other people there. My wife works alongside me in, in, in accounts and HR and so she's been very much involved in, in staff and, and management with me and we can discuss things like that at night time as well but um, yes my, my business partner Gary you know, very heavily, heavily involved in the, the production side of things. Uh, and he uh, has had to change his role massively as well because all of a sudden he's become a fitter and he's out on, on the job with the tools and, uh, you know, get, getting it done. Um, and we've a team of uh, a team of fitters who've diversified from the events industry into social distancing solutions. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose having joiners and um, tradesmen on hand certainly has helped us adapt more easily. Are you impressed at your ability, I suppose, as a, a leader and as a company 
to adapt and pivot? Have you surprised yourselves? Uh, to be honest, it's, it's just been head down, get on with it, and uh, not not looking up too much to see what's going on around you. But we, you know, I, I sat on a, a conference call on Zoom yesterday with BPIF, as I mentioned, and they have it's it's amazing the difference across the sector, um, just within our one you know print sector because you've got commercial printers you've got packaging firms you've got display guys and uh you know there was a real range of uh, of attitudes and approach and approaches you know even just within that one one group and i mean some of the things that are scary for me is you know what is the future of print commercial commercially mm-hmm. catalogs is one big thing where a lot of companies this year have decided to just put their catalog online, online so they're not printing it um and if that's successful for them they'll probably never print it again you know so that work potentially gone forever uh, and that's a scary prospect but um you know it wouldn't be a, a massive market that mint print are involved in but i know for other firms like ours it's uh, it's definitely um a, a scary prospect so where do you see the future from Inprint? Mad Creative is definitely a passion of mine. Uh, and I think what we can do to keep people's brands on display is, is the key around that. So that whether it's a printed item or, uh, you know, wallpaper for a refurb in your office, uh, uh, creating breakout areas and social distance solutions is certainly something that we're engaging with right now. Uh, however, you know, I suppose environmental uh, credentials come into play as well there. So, we, you know, at the minute, the world is seems to we came into this crisis saying don't use plastic products of any sort at any time. Uh, and now we're using more polycarbonate and acrylic than we've ever done in our lifetimes. So okay. it's uh, it's really bizarre how, yeah, how, how, how the uh, environmental challenges are mm. going to come off the back of that. But um, yeah, I, th- I definitely think there's a transition coming from PVC to fabric, and uh, I would like to see our business pivoting towards that uh, in the future as well. So dye sublimation printing is probably on the cards, and it gets into more soft uh, soft furnishings and textiles market, which is a massive opportunity in itself, but it's, a, a, again, a massive pivot from where we are now. There's still so much unknown out there, though, and I suppose the one thing that we've all learned is that you can have an economic shock at any time, and... As much as we were all preparing, uh, I suppose facing Brexit was was the biggest thing on everyone's lips this time last year. We had no idea that this was ahead. No. What has that taught you? Well, Sarah, I think the the key thing for me there is making sure that you've got the right support financially. Um, the bank uh, at Ulster Bank there have been, been very good with us, and since the uh, the crisis of. 2008 2009 we've definitely seen more support from Ulster Bank they've come back on board and um, engaged directly with us and the the relationship manager that we have Danny um, would be regularly in and out of the business now so uh, just having that um, engagement both on asset finance side of things going through Lombard and um, uh, just for general overdraft facilities within the bank that that's been a, a godsend for us but Equally, they were straight out to our door asking us how we can take a look at the Siebel's loan and uh, payment holidays around uh, different asset finance and loan agreements that we had in place with them. And I have to say they supported us every step of the way. So, uh, you know, kudos to them. And it definitely helps to have that relationship in place uh, through the uh, course of my leader program. Somebody did say to me, just always make sure you have two lines of finance in place at any one time and I think that is key you know in, in business you need to have a couple of uh, key contacts there that will support you and develop you uh, and help your business grow. And 
Have you drawn on advice from others to help you over the years? Is this important to you, keeping communicating during a crisis as well? Yeah, I mean, communication is absolutely uh, fundamental in it. And there's no doubt that I look back now at how we've reacted to the crisis and realise where areas where we've been lacking too. You know, you see some of the things that other people do and um, you try and and lean on mentors, I suppose, for guidance on that front. you know, there, there are resources out there for us, NI Business Info and things, but nothing beats really face to face. And that's been one of the challenges because it's hard to, mm-hmm. you know, you maybe go and have a cup of coffee with somebody and chew the fat over something and you haven't been able to do that, you know. No. so And the difficult uh, conversations that you have to have as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, I always like to look into the, the whites of somebody's eyes when I'm talking to them, that sort of thing. So uh, the, the social distancing makes that awkward and, and difficult as well. Is there one piece of advice you could share with our listeners that you wish you you'd been given when you took over the family business? I think just looking forward. Um, so, you know, the key thing there for me is, uh, albeit that they might not be in uh, full flow right now, go to trade shows. So if there is a, a show around your industry sector, uh, that is the, the one thing that I think it was my uh, wife's grandfather told me. And he said, always make sure you go to the most uh, forward thinking trade show in your industry. And uh, I've I find he's so right because you go, everybody can find out about the latest and greatest machine, but it's sometimes the hidden gems, you know, down the back alleys of these shows that you find something, a wee piece of magic that'll change the way you operate and the way that you do business. So my thinking would be get involved in trade shows and uh, I think they're going to pivot massively and uh, and become more more virtual. Will that actually allow you more time to, to, to visit more shows but still be well, running the business? Yeah, absolutely. I think as these virtual environments get created, everything can be uh, rendered out in 3D now and there's all sorts of things. One of the things I see that Mintprint have done is that we, we've embraced the, the digital uh, planning consultancy. So uh, the consultation process for planning applications, typically there's a, a community consultation, which is a, an event hosted in, in a community hall somewhere. Um, and because these can't take place, large developments can't move forward until that uh, until that happens. So we've built a kind of Zoom portal, if you like, uh, with a, a survey online integrated with a Zoom platform where people can come and host those events digitally. Um, so in a virtual environment, they get to ask the questions and reservations that they've got, air their points and and get the feedback that they need. So um, that's certainly, uh, from our point of view, something that we feel we can develop further. And we're in, in discussions with a few construction firms and planning consultants about that right now. There are definite uh, positives that have come out of all of this that mean that, uh, you know, we won't return to some of the old ways of doing business. No, and I, I think that's the one thing. There's, you know, the, the thing I've noticed most is you can get a lot more done in a day whenever you don't have to travel from mm-hmm. from place to place. But inevitably what happens is you spend the rest of your evening catching up on all the things that you would have been doing in between. And um, so, yeah, you can go from one Zoom call to the next, but ultimately uh, some work still has to be done. And it, it's it's difficult to juggle it around, but uh, I've been having a bit of a chuckle about that with a few, few colleagues recently because you'd end up burning the midnight oil just to clay catch up. It sounds like you need to catch up on some Zs as well, some sleep. Um, yeah, it has been so lovely to talk to you. Um, Jamie, it's you know it's wonderful to hear about the growth of your business, how you've pivoted, how you've provided these incredible solutions. And thank you so much. Some great advice there if you're listening, um, you know, keeping the two lines of finance open, being adaptable and looking after your key staff. So maybe some of you listening today will also be facing those um, challenges over difficult 
difficult conversations that that have to be had but unfortunately are, are necessary. Uh, good luck to Minprint on, on the next uh, chapter and, and look out for those screens that may be appearing and those partitions that may be appearing in a school near you. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. And good luck with that puppy. We never found out what the puppy was called. Thanks, Sarah. Yes, Bruno. Bruno. So Bruno the Brown Lab. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure uh, he, he'll listen along with me at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Bruno the Lockdown Brown Lab. Thank you so much to Jamie. This has been the fourth episode of Thrive in the New World, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Ulster Bank. I've been your host, Sarah Travers, and I'd love if you could join me again next week talking all things growth, adaptability, and resilience. See you soon.